talk about Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Dotted Line with your girl Lacey. We are back again, full effect with season four. So y'all, this episode is really deep. Um, I feel like personally, right? So, so far this season, I've talked about me being overstimulated and overanalyzing, right? And I've done episodes on that and showed how that applied to me personally, and how um, I've been able to work through um, with some tips, you know, in order to kind of heal from that. And then also, you know, how I'm still dealing with some of those things because um, you can heal and then still be, you know, working through things simultaneously. So y'all, I'm admitting first off that I'm a perfectionist, right? Um, I'm definitely the person that likes things my way. Um, it has to be folded a certain way or this, I'm the only person that can clean this because no one else cleans it this way. Like I definitely is my toxic trait is rage cleaning and, um, just all of a sudden start cleaning and then saying, okay, no one's helping me clean. Like that is definitely me, um, that does that. So being a perfectionist, um, it really leads into today's topic, right. That I'm talking about. So, um, today I'm talking about self-sabotage. Right. So have you ever sabotaged something in your life, knowingly or unknowingly, um, or maybe even realizing that you sabotage something later on? Right. Or even you don't realize you're sabotaging your life or circumstances. And if you can resonate with any of those scenarios and apply that to you, then this episode is for you. Right. For sure. So. First off, let's define sabotage per the Webster Dictionary. So the verb for um, sabotage is deliberately destroying, damage, or obstruct something, especially for political or military advantage. The noun um, of that um, definition is the action of sabotaging something, right? So that's just sabotage. So now we want to look at defining self-sabotage, and this is per very well mine. So this refers to intentional action or inaction that undermines people's progress and prevents them from accomplishing their goals. So when we're talking about self-sabotage, some of those examples are wanting to lose weight, um, but eating poorly, right? So you're doing something, you may be working out or something like that, but then you're sabotaging yourself by eating bad and then wondering why you're not losing the weight. Um, Another one that I really struggle with is trauma from the past and then seeing that same pattern, so reacting the same way. So maybe someone um, that you dated and they you know, may have been really bad to you, right? And you're kind of seeing some of those signs in your current relationship or they may have said something that triggered you and things like that. And so now you're starting to react in that negative way that you were reacting before in a bad situation, right? And then wondering why, oh, well, why is this happening? Why is this that in the third? Another example for me personally, I've always been a big person that celebrates birthdays, right? Um, and I love making people feel important for their birthday. If you're important to me, like I definitely want to show you, you know, that you matter and your birthday is very important. Now, I'm not the friend that's going to the clubs. I may do a brunch, but I'm not, I'm not that friend. So let me put that out there as well. Like I'm 36, like the club is not for me. I'm tired. I have three kids and I have to get up in the morning, right? But 
I like to show people that they're they're special for their birthday. So whether it's a dinner, whether it's a gift, I love gift giving. Um, you know, doing something to surprise them. Like when we were in COVID, um, I was doing a lot of the the signs, like for my daughter and my son. So they would come outside and see these big signs that said, you know, happy birthday, you know, Kennedy or Chase or whatever. Um, but part of the reason that I'm so like I want to really celebrate someone's birthday is because of the fact I feel like when I was growing up, I did not really get celebrated. Now, it could have been for whatever reason, right? I don't want to sit up here and say I just had this bad childhood and, you know, my parents suck because that's not the case. But um, looking back on it in hindsight, I was always in trouble around my birthday, whether it was I had a smart mouth or got in trouble or whatever the case may be. So my mom was very like, hey, you've been acting up. Well, you're not doing this on your birthday type of thing. And that always resonated with me. So even though I wanted people to celebrate me on my birthday, I would always like do something um, to kind of start some type of um, argument or um, just disarray. So then when my birthday would come, like, see, now when my birthday came, you didn't do this for me. And it's like, okay, Lacey, we just got in an argument like three days ago. And like, you know, whatever the case may be. And that's happened in my relationship. And then also with like friendships, you know what I mean? I would celebrate their birthdays. And again, pe everybody is different as far as their birthday. Some people feel like it's not a big deal. Hey, whatever happens, um, you know, happens or whatever. And I'm just not going to celebrate. I'm one of those people that, Hey, it's my birthday. You know when it is. Like, what, what, what is it? And then on top of that, having those very, very high expectations. So even if somebody is trying to surprise me, well, that's not what I would have did. Um, that's not what I would have did. And so this isn't good enough, right? So a whole circle of just toxicity, and then also self-sabotaging. So I really can't enjoy it. Putting that pressure on people where you have to do this for me, and that's not right, right? So. That's something I'm working through. So usually when people struggle um, with self-sabotaging, right, um, they often show the behavior of mental discomfort. And basically that's holding um, to two conflicting ideas at the same time. So kind of those examples are feeling uncomfortable for doing something or making a decision, um, trying to justify or rationalize a decision you've made or action you've taken. I know I do that. I will make a decision and second guess myself and be like, oh, man. I wouldn't have did this if I wouldn't have did that. And that goes back to my prior episode talking about overanalyzing where I'm going to replay the conversation, the text message back and forth, forth and back and be like, oh my gosh, like why didn't I re reply like this? Or maybe they meant this, right? Feeling um, embarrassed or ashamed um, about something you've done and trying to hide your actions from other people. So again, your past, you may not have been aware of things that you were doing that was toxic and you finally become aware and you're like, okay, I'm embarrassed by my past and not taking it as, you know, hey, I have a past and I learned from it and this is how I'm trying to do better, right? Um, experiencing guilt or regret about something you've done in the past, right? So that just kind of goes back to um, having that that regret, right, that you had in the past and things like that and, and hiding your actions and things. And then doing things because of social pressure or the fear of FOMO, right, which is fear of missing out, even if it wasn't something you wanted to do. And I really feel like in this day and time, social media really, really um, helps and, and, and really makes it worse for FOMO. I'm definitely a person that I've always, like, if I wanted to do something or I wanted something or someone had something that I wanted, I'd be like, hey, how did you get that? Like, you know, I really want this, you know, bag or I want this outfit or whatever the case may be. But I always, I, I don't really feel like I was the person that if someone else did something, um, I would feel a certain way. I think the only caveat to that is before I got married, 
and really me and Dietrich were dating, it seemed like everyone else had boyfriends, right? And were in relationships. And I was always single or in a bad relationship or in a situationship. So I kind of felt a way about that because, hey, like they're in these relationships, you know, early 20s and they're, they really seem like they're good relationships and so on and so forth. And I'm not. Right. And so I think with that, that's kind of the caveat to the FOMO that I've experienced. So some of those examples that I really felt like were self-sabotaging coming into my marriage and things like that is that I married um, Dietrich and his he has a big family on both his mom and his dad's side. Huge family. He's related to everybody. We go somewhere and that's his cousin. That's his mom's sisters, you know, sons, uh, fiance, whatever. It's always a situation where we are around somebody that he may be related to or he knows and things like that. And because I felt like I, I'm an only child, I had step siblings, they were a lot older than me, um, and they lived in different households and stuff like that uh, for the most part. And so um, I really felt like I was kind of by myself. And I don't know if any if people know, being an only child, like it's cool because like, yes, you get everything you want and you don't have to share with anybody and all of that type of thing. But most only only children want a sibling at some point, right? They want to, I wanted to be able to call my sister or my brother and be like, hey, like, girl, let me tell you what happened um, with your mama. Or call my brother and be like, can you believe your mama tripping, right? Um, and so because I didn't have that, I feel like I was kind of warped and like, oh my gosh, like, it's not fair because I don't have siblings or, you know, um, I was raised with a, a blended family. So I don't have my real dad with my, that has the same last name as me or around people that look, that I look like. So I was kind of felt displaced. And so to me, growing up in, in the moment, I kind of felt like I came from just dis- dysfunction, right? And um, that's totally not true. I mean, there are some things that have happened, and I think that's with any any um, person's childhood or things like that, right? That they go through traumas. But um, it, I would be lying if I said it was all bad, right? So coming into this family of Dietrichs, and it's this big family, and you know everybody is is related to everybody. They have you know family reunions, barbecues, and everything like that. I felt like I was coming from dysfunction, right? So, you know, I did, I, again, I didn't have my real dad, my real dad was in jail or whatever. And, you know, I had a stepdad and things like that. And I just felt like I was coming from that dysfunction. So I, um, felt like coming into the marriage because he had like this family that was just so, um, family oriented and just so big and so loving and so accepting. And just like, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't, I didn't, how's this going to work? Because I came from this type of family and this is the kind of family that he comes from. Um, How's this going to work? Right. And I'm already self-sabotaging that knowing that like, okay, you know, every, every relationship is going to require some work and things like that. Like I'm already thinking of how this could not work because we're so different in that aspect. And the, the ironic part about it is that as much as I was saying like, Hey, his family is big and this, that, and the third, my husband came from a divorced family as well. So he had some of that trauma and, and, you know, dysfunction as well. Right. So that self-sabotaging, some of the back reasons, of that is insecure attachment style. So being very um, codependent and being upset when a person leaves, right? Low self-esteem. That could just be on how you feel about yourself, how you look, right? So um, it could be that, or it could be, you know, the insecurity that you may have that, you know, oh, I'm going to get cheated on, or I have been cheated on. So now I'm paranoid because of that, right? So that can can play on your self-esteem as well. Um, Fear of getting hurt, which I feel like 
a lot of people feel this way, right? No one gets into a relationship wanting to get hurt, right? Um, or wanting to break up, right? People don't build families thinking that they're going to break up, right? If that was the case, then no one would, you know, have families and things like that, right? Um, also, fear of commitment. Um, as much as you can say, I want to be married and things like that, marriage is commitment. It is very hard um, to sustain a marriage and not be committed, right? Like you have to actively and intentionally say, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to work through, right? Um, Unhealthy relationship beliefs. You know, I feel like in my generation, I'm a millennial. I don't feel like I really learned how to be a wife. Now, I'm not saying that that's anybody's fault or my parents' fault or anything like that. Um, Every marriage is different. You do what works for your marriage, but I just felt like I did not know. Like I knew that at at one point or another, hey, I'm not going to be someone's little live-in friend, right? So therefore, the next option is to get married, right? And and we build things together. But I didn't really understand what the roles were supposed to be or, you know, how things were supposed to go. And then I also felt like at some point, you know, it should mimic my parents' marriage. And that's not always the best thing to do or that's not the best thing to do because everybody's marriage is different. Everybody has their own beliefs and their own um, way of doing things that works for them. And it's not a one size fits all, i.e. I don't cook. I don't like cooking. Um, I cook in emergencies if my husband's sick or, you know, cannot cook, then I'll definitely cook, right? Um, If I don't cook, then I'm definitely that person like, hey, let's go get something to eat, right? You're going to get fed, but I'm just not a cooker, right? And in society, you know, women are supposedly, I'm saying that with air quotes, are supposedly supposed to cook, right? I don't like to. And apparently, you know, my husband does not have an issue with that, right? I like to wash dishes. I like to taste test. And that works, right? But for other people, that may not work. And then lastly, coping problems when it comes to matters of the heart. So really coping and dealing with things appropriately, right? You go through those stages, like I've said before, of that that example of the bad haircut, right? So you go through all these different stages of emotions, of being mad and angry, and then, you know, halfway accepting, and then, hey, it's not that bad. Okay, cool. Now I can kind of laugh about it and look back as an experience, and then you're over it, right? Those are kind of your coping um, skills that you should have in a healthy um, format when you're going through something. But if you're not able to cope, you may stay angrier longer, right? You may stay really mad. You may, you know, you may start building up resentment and things like that. So that self that self sabotaging behavior that I mentioned before. Remember, I said I am a perfectionist, right? I like things certain certain ways. That is actually a self sabotaging behavior, right? So. Really, what and what that means is like with perfection, um, it's holding oneself to an impossible standard and it causes delays and setbacks. And it seems like po- a positive strategy to aim for things um, to go planned without a hitch, but perfectionism it, it really dampens the success, right? Um, when something goes wrong as um, it inevitably will, right? That's that's how life is. Perfectionists usually seem to come undone, right? They end up feeling ashamed, prone to depression, and they feel like they're letting everyone down. And when I tell you, um, when I was going over this and reading this and preparing for this episode, like I literally like kind of had like a, a deep stop right there. Um, like I mentioned before, recording this um, season, I have re-recorded so many different episodes because some of these really hit home for me. So when I'm saying this episode is for you, it's also for me as well, right? Um, perfectionism, like, I mean, no one's perfect, 
right? No one is perfect. And so aiming for this just perfect life and this is how it should be um, is is not feasible. Prime example, like if um, my family, like I love taking pictures, right? So you'll see a lot of pictures on the podcast Instagram page um, of me, you know, doing different shoots and things like that. And um, shout out to Lady because she definitely is the best photographer in Houston. Um, but I love those pictures. Like she always does such a good job and, and I love the pictures. I'm like, man, these are really good pictures or whatever like that. But that's not how I look 95% of the time, right? Like as I record, I have, you know, a do-rag on, I have sweats, an old t-shirt from 2003 in high school, my freshman year of high school. Like I don't look like that all the time. And so I feel like the perfectionism of it all is basically making it ready for doomsday, right? Like you cannot be perfect all the time. Like even with me setting up um, shoots with my family and things like that and shoots with my husband, like I know me, I can only control me. So if I go have a shoot by myself, it pretty much goes without a hitch because it's just me. I'm only having to get myself ready and bring, you know, extra clothes and do my makeup and make sure hair is right and things like that. But when you sit up here and start getting a whole family involved, a family of five, and one of my children is two, like, something's gonna happen. We did Christmas pictures at home. And I mean, it was so many outtakes of my son, like walking off and doing his own thing. Our Christmas picture that we had this year, he literally had his red car in the picture. And I was like, Oh my God, like, can we just not but that was the only way he was going to get in and take a picture and smile. So I was like, Well, that's where we go, right. And so with being a perfectionist, I'm learning and I'm still struggling with this. But I'm learning everything is not going to go as planned. Um, Another example is like with paying off debt. I like would get on this like really, really fast, intense, like plan, okay, we're going to pay off this debt in 12 months. And like, I'm not thinking of living life within that 12 months. Okay, we're just going to do this and we're going to do that. And, we're gonna, and that's not, that's not feasible, right? Um, you just because I want something done in a year because I have a, you know, uh, New Year's resolution to be debt free, that may not be feasible in a year's time, right? I've always just, okay, I did this, okay, had this accomplishment, okay, what's to my, what's next, right? Graduated with under, um, with my bachelor's degree in undergrad. And I was like, okay, what's next? Luckily, I haven't had the itch to go back and get a master's. Like I've thought about it a couple times. And I'm like, ah, there's really no point, right? But perfectionism is just always thinking that you're going to you're going to be able to do this. And then when you don't accomplish that, you get so upset and so down in yourself and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't do that. And that's not healthy, right? Another example of self-sabotaging behavior is procrastination. So people that self-sabotage often procrastinate. So procrastination is a way that you show others you're never ready and put it off, um, for a good outcome. It's because people fear disappointing others, failing or succeeding. So there are some like, and, and this kind of hit home as well, because I, I thought to myself, well, how can I be a perfectionist, but I procrastinate? There are certain things that I'll procrastinate. And like I mentioned before about being overstimulated, right? Things that um, I do to help is to go in and write down what I can do today. What can I put off for the next day, right? And I had to get really, really good at being intentional about just completely letting it fall off the radar. Because I have done that before where... I'm like, hey, I need to do this. And then I forget. And then, oh, I didn't forget. I just didn't want to do it. Right. So writing everything down, knowing what you have to do. But like, hey, when is this due? When can I do this? When's the absolute last time that I can do this in order to still get it done on time? Right. Not when it's going to be late and I can just come in or whatever like that. But I was like that. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, how can I be a perfectionist and then procrastinate at the same time? That's kind of hard as well. Right. So um, with that being said, 
when you procrastinate, you're, you're sabotaging yourself. Think about um, an example like working at a job, right? Working in corporate America and things like that. And you want to go up for that job. And, you know, it's you and some other candidates. But instead of you really putting the good foot forward and not just, you know, because sometimes going above and beyond doesn't pay as well and, and really um, get you where you want to be. But absolutely procrastinating and not doing things and just showing up late, like, you're self-sabotaging yourself in order to not get that job, right? So if they're seeing that you're not good with time management and you just don't do things, like that's probably not going to turn out well for you, right? So that's what that's meaning with self-sabotaging um, within procrastination and some of those behaviors, right? The last one is self-medication. So to deal with constant battle between wanting to be successful and the script that plays in their brains, um, saying they can't be, many soothe themselves by drugs, alcohol, and self-injury, right? And I'm so grateful that that's something I haven't experienced before. But a lot of times people sit up here and will literally sabotage themselves of, you know, depending on, on different substances and things like that when they have that kind of internal... Um, compass that kind of conflicts right they want to do well but then I can't because like I'm, my crutch is this alcohol or the drugs or whatever the case may be and so even with that that requires you know you know getting help and things like that because you can't do that all by yourself right um and one thing that I will say is that when it comes to self-sabotaging and things like that, you know, that FOMO that comes up of like, I see this person doing this or, you know, why do they have this and I don't. And one thing that I heard um, is that you cannot buy grace, right? So grace is God's unmerited favor, right? So you're already guaranteed in life, you're going to have some trials and some tribulations. Like we already know that's going to happen. That's life. But you're also guaranteed grace. Sometimes, you know, grace may look like you um, leaving at a different time and there was a big wreck, right? That could have been you in the wreck. But like for some reason, you know, God orchestrated your steps to, you know, maybe leave a little bit late, right? Or, you know, getting unexpected checks and things like that of like, oh man, I didn't know how I was going to pay this bill. And then bam, you get a random check in the mail and you're able to pay that bill, right? And so when you're looking at this, um, self-sabotaging and one of the main things that you sabotage yourself is you sit up there and you think okay I can't do this I you know someone else is doing this better than me or this is not my niche um, kind of same thing I've talked about over the years with my podcast right I've been wanting to do a podcast for years like kind of before it started becoming popular but I didn't really know what to do so when COVID came um and everyone's kind of doing a podcast. I was like, ah, no one's going to really want to listen to my podcast. Like, and I really had to tell myself like, okay, is it about someone listening to your podcast or is this something like you want to just do and it doesn't matter what happens behind that, right? And once I kind of took that mentality, that self-sabotaging of holding me back of doing something I wanted to do, um, it was really let go and it's really freeing. And then as time has went on, I've learned how to edit and produce my own episodes, um, working with a really good photographer. Again, shout out to um, Lady. Um, and, you know, working with my husband that's been doing my graphics and stuff like that and marketing this season. So like I was really able to hone in on some skills that were really beneficial so I didn't have to depend on anyone else or, you know, hey, like I, I have to, you know, not know how to do this and things like that. So really, um, if I would have been looking at other people and looking at what other people were doing, like I would have never started this podcast, right? So with self-sabotaging, and building healthy boundaries, right? So kind of that old saying, if you know better, you'll do better. It's really important that if you get with a counselor and you're honest with yourself, the counselor, you really work to get that um, healing done. So you are aware of behaviors that you're exhibiting that, you know, may um, be harmful, right? Um, next, 
kind of a proponent of counseling is that once you go to counseling, um, you start becoming aware of triggers and behavior that can be harmful to yourself and others, right? So if you know that, you know, maybe um, something triggers you that you can kind of take time back and say, okay, hey, like this is really bothersome to me. Can I take some time back? Can I get... Um, and I go ahead and, and take that time to um, process everything and then I'll get back with you, right? Um, and that really helps and you really only become aware when you start counseling, right? Someone else is making you aware. You're being honest with yourself, right? You're looking at situations as not the victim all the time. Um, and sometimes you were the problem, right? That's probably the best piece of advice that I've gotten is that, you know, everyone is not a victim in every circumstances. Yes, there are things that happen that are totally messed up and shouldn't have happened and people are wrong and they're dead wrong. But in those same instances, you're responsible for your reaction, right? Um, next is talking through or journaling your negative thoughts before making a decision or acting out of emotion. Um, it's really important to remind yourself that you are in control of your emotions, right? Um, you are in control of your response. And yes, people say things, they do things to trigger you, but it's not their responsibility on how you react and vice versa, right? That's why it's called, you know, um, getting in arguments with people and things like that. And there's a side to every story because whereas one person is feeling like they did, they had something very egregious happen to them, the other person is feeling the same way and they reacted out of, you know, what was done to them. Right. So with that being said, um, talking and journaling through the issues and the problems that you have and then saying, OK, hey, now that I've kind of processed this, this is how I'm going to react instead of being angry and responding in that um, in, in that in that space. Right. Because you can respond inappropriately. And then lastly, I really felt like what has helped me resolve and work through self-sabotaging is really looking at myself, right? Taking a look in the mirror, um, realizing that I'm not perfect. Yes, I am a perfectionist, but I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. And sometimes I hold the bar too high even for myself, let alone other people. And with that being said, things happen that um, are beyond my control, but there are there I always am in control of the way that I respond to things, right? So really looking at myself and really honing in on what I need to work on, on top of realizing that I can heal and I could still be working on things at the same time, that those two um, aren't always mutually exclusive, right? Um, and that's something I've really, really had to learn because I thought if you heal and you get through something, that really, really means that like that doesn't bother you anymore. And that's not realistic. You get triggered, things come up, songs get played, you run into somebody, like things just happen, right? With that being said, um, I feel like with self-sabotaging, one of the main things that has really, really, really helped me is realizing that I was self-sabotaging. So like I mentioned before, my birthday and things like that. And I was talking to my mom about this a few months ago um, as I celebrated my 36th birthday. And my mom was like, you still do that? She was like, you would always like come up with ways or do things that would like make us, you know, um, adversely react to each other. Right. And it was really interesting because instead of hearing her say this and taking offense. Like, I was like, man, like, this is something my mom knows. And she probably told me this before, but I was very, very, very defensive about it, right? Um, 
But she was telling me, like, like I told you before, my perception was that, oh, I was always in trouble. They didn't really care about my birthday. You know, they didn't really celebrate it. Mom's like, you would always like do things to make things worse. And so it would kind of like, now your birthday isn't that big a deal. I remember like at a birthday, my parents had through a surprise birthday party. I'm probably one of the, even though I want to be surprised, I'm probably the hardest person to surprise because I'm so nosy and I'm going to, this doesn't look right. Something ain't right. So people, it takes a lot for people to be able to surprise me because I'm always like, "Mm, this doesn't, um, you know, really sound right of their excuses that they're trying to make to surprise me. Like I'm not going to be oblivious to everything. I'm going to overanalyze everything. And so with her, mentioning that to me, I was in a space that I could receive that and not take offense and say, okay, like my mom is noticing this and my mom has known me my whole life. Like maybe this is something that I need to work on. Maybe this is something that I need to go ahead and say, okay, hey, this isn't, this isn't working type of thing. Right. Um, something that I need to get better because that behavior, um, if you're a parent, you really start to notice your behavior when you have children. Right. I am a boy mom all day. I have two boys and they are so rambunctious and get into stuff and break stuff and, you know, want to play rough and everything like that. Right. But I have a daughter as well. And my daughter has literally taught me so, 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 so much about myself, about looking at my mom as human and seeing like some of the decisions that she was faced with, um, to either, you know, respond in a certain way or not, because I've dealt with those kind of same things with my daughter, right? And it, it makes me respect my mom even more because of the way that she has handled things with the, you know, opportunities and the um, things that she had, you know, um, at that time, right? And again, you really start to see your parent as human instead of saying, okay, they're an adult, they're supposed to make these decisions because you don't know the right way to deal with stuff. Even if you're not a parent, you know, life is life and you don't get a manual for that, right? You don't know always how to deal with hard times and adversities and things like that. You don't know. And what's really, really, really unfortunate about it is that a lot of the times that we're expected to deal with these type of things, and then we want our kids to deal with those type of things, and like we can't even deal with it. So that's a really, really, really high expectation to have on a child, right? And so that self-sabotaging that I'm talking about is in every aspect of your life, whether it's at your job, you know, um, that kind of goes into... um, the syndrome of imposter syndrome, right? So that's self-sabotaging as well. Um, You know, within your relationship, kind of causing a problem because you're used to, you know, a lot of drama and um, distrust and discord, right? Even though things are seeming okay. That's where boring in a relationship gets um, really looked at as boring and it's not, right? Like just because you have a stable um, home and everything like that, well, that's boring, right? That's stability. And a lot of times you're not um, used to that, right? Even with your children, sabotaging, you know, you, as parents, we want better than what um, we had, right? Being millennials and things like that, we're very open. I apologize to my kids. I let them talk to me and kind of be open with, you know, um, talking because it's so important, but that's stuff that I did not um, get growing up, right? Because my parents didn't grow up like that. And that can be a form of self-sabotaging of saying, okay, well, I didn't get this for my parents, so you're not going to get it either type of thing. So self-sabotaging really can come in all forms and all walks of life. And it's really, really important to be aware um, of that. And like I said, get counseling, 
being aware of your triggers and your behavior, and then talking through and journaling and really looking at yourself, right? Looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, what do I want? How do I want to who do I want to become? Because that's the one thing in life that you're guaranteed is you can change who you are today, tomorrow, next week, next year, right? So that's the one great opportunity about life is because you have that um, that time and that freedom to be whoever you need to be, whoever you want to be, right? All right, so you know how we do on um, here at the dotted line. There are two segments and we're going to lead right into can you relate? So can you relate to realizing that you're spending too much. I don't know about y'all, but like the new year always brings out these new year's resolutions and you're going to spend money, you know, um, better. You're not going to waste money. You're going to work out. We're going to eat better. Right. One of the main things that I wanted to do was be mindful of my purchases. Right. Um, because I can manage money, bills get paid, have savings and things like that. But I was like, man, like if I really, really start to document, um, my purchases and everything like that, like I'm going to be unstoppable. So I got this um, bill tracker from Amazon and I started documenting all of my purchases, right? Like old school, like bouncing your checkbook, right? And when I did that, I realized that um, apparently I'm not getting paid like I'm a drug dealer moving bricks, but I'm spending money like I move bricks. And I was like, where is all like what am I doing? Prime example, Amazon is the devil sometimes. I love Amazon, right? But I was spending so much money still, like since the year has started, I think we've gotten packages almost every other day because I keep seeing cleaning supplies from these cleaning um pages that I follow on Instagram, um, little tools um that to help clean up and stuff like that. So clean, it was cleaning stuff and I'm justifying it as I'm cleaning the house, you know, I'm, you know, really, really going to be into cleaning, but man, all these purchases, like, what am I doing? Can anybody relate to that? Like, have y'all done y'all's yearly review of seeing how much you spend in Amazon? Cause I'm very, very scared to look at that. Like, I feel like I'm going to be very, very pissed. Right. But can you relate? Like, are you looking at what you're spending like line by line and seeing that you're spending too much money? Can anybody relate to that? Cause I really, really, really want to know. I feel like it's very, very, very important. Y'all know what it is. Story time with Lacey. So normally I do a funny story, um, with story time. And I'm not saying this is not funny, but I really, really feel like this can help somebody because this, when I really sat down and got this episode together and start going through the story, I was like, man, I really hope that this helps somebody. So, um, y'all know that like, I am very, very particular perfectionist. I overanalyze, um, I self-sabotage, right? These are all things that we've talked about in season four that I'm like finally putting a name to like this behavior that I need to change, right? And I've noticed as you start to evolve and you change, you start to look at things a little bit differently. You start to look at things and you're like, okay, maybe I was the problem there, right? So with that being said, I've had previous episodes as well about friendship breakups and how they've been so hard and this, that, and the third, right? They're almost as painful as, you know, a romantic relationship breakup, right? And one of the things I had, um, I feel like every year I have this, this New Year's resolution that I'm just going to, you know, like all the people that are n not meant to be in my life, like that's going to be it. Like, you know, like next year, I'm going to have my tribe of people that I'm going to have in my life or whatever like that, right? And every year, I would always have some type of falling out disagreement with the groups of friends or whatever. And I started really getting down and 
upset about it. Like, what is going on? Like, I thought it was going to be easier to be friends with people as adults because you don't have the stupid stuff they used to dealt with, right? Like, this girl is doing this and, you know, we don't like her. Like, we're all adults now. We ain't got to lie. Everybody produces money for themselves. You don't have to ask your parents to go anywhere. Like, I felt like it should be easier, but apparently... It's not. So I had a friend um, that I've known for over 10 years um, in my wedding. Um, and, you know, I noticed that like when I got married, I was I was 25. So I was young. You know, like I mentioned, I didn't know how to be a wife. Like, you know, just a lot of that, you know, first few years of marriage or whatever, like that you have a lot of drama going on. So when I had the drama, this person was very like always there for 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 the the mess. Right. But as years went on. I didn't have a lot of mess going on. Everything was very boring, like I said in the episode, because it was stable. And that's something I struggle with as well, is just not being um, comfortable um, with stability because I've always had some a lot of stuff going on, right? But years go by, I start feeling, you know, really good, you know, about just being boring because that's good. It's safe. It's it's um, stable and it keeps you out of drama, Right. So, you know, as time goes on, you know, now I've been married for a while, I have kids, you know, I finished my undergrad and, you know, you start to grow differently from people, but it's not like that grow, like we grow apart from people or whatever like that. And like, I don't deal with them anymore. It's more of like, Hey, like I can't attend your event. I got this. Oh, no problem, girl. You know, whatever. So it was never any beef or anything like that. But I kind of started noticing, um, over the last few years that like, this person like was showing up for people and not showing up for me, right? Like, oh, I don't have time to do that or whatever like that, but having time to do the same thing with somebody else. And I wasn't like, oh, I'm jealous of this. It was more of like, oh, okay. Like I'm trying to see it for what it is, but like, that's kind of hurtful. You know what I'm saying? But never really saying anything, right? Because I've always said, I always assume it's me before I come at someone else about something, right? So noticing that they're not showing up for me, but everyone else, um, And then noticing that like in the earlier years when I could do stuff for this person, like we for it. Now, as time goes on, we're in different places. Like we really don't hang around the same circle. Um, I'm more of a homebody, things like that. You know, now I'm starting to see, okay, like maybe he was kind of, you know, only there for when I could do stuff for you or whatever like that. And it could be any plethora of things, right, that you're there for as with someone, um, that you're friends with someone, right? So with that being said, um, some life events had happened and things like that and just kind of started noticing like really distant at this point. But like, again, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because when you go through life things, you know, that changes you. And, you know, who am I to tell a person of when they need to get over something or through something or whatever like that? Because, you know, every trauma looks different on everybody, right? But we end up having a conversation and I remember I asked like, well, hey, like I noticed like you kind of been real standoffish, like, you know, whatever. And the person basically said, well, you know, I'm just trying to live and, you know, I really don't have time for that. That's not really my energy. So I kind of let it alone. Right. Okay, cool. And time goes on again and the conversation ends up coming up again. And so and in between the first conversation, and the second conversation it was probably about six months, six or seven months. And so came up again and the person was telling me I did not have the energy to work on our friendship and I was floored because I was like what do you mean like 
I didn't realize that our friendship required work because we hang out when we hang out. It's never like nothing's lost. It's never a beef. It's never a you hanging with this person. You got this. It was always love when we hung out. So I was like, I didn't understand how how you could tell me that you didn't want to work on our friendship and you didn't have enough energy. And it hurt my feelings. Like it really, really hurt my feelings, but I didn't even respond in like, Hey, that hurt my feelings. I was just trying to get a level of understanding of why and this, that, the third, really didn't have a reason or whatever like that. Um, just was like, you know, sometimes people grow apart and this, that, and the third. And then I started looking back to all those times where I was there and, you know, um, babysitting kids and and doing all this other kind of stuff so I was there when you needed me and and when you saw a benefit from me but if I needed you like you wasn't available right I started looking at all those times or whatever like that and it kind of made me mad because it was like man like I'm, I'm jumping out here doing this that and third you know I'm I'm like I told y'all in this season I've been a people pleaser like I'm reco- I'm a recovering people pleaser and sometimes I have you know sometimes that I, I I fall back into that but I was always saying yes when I meant to say no for this person and it really struck a chord with me that like you would say I don't have any energy to work on this friendship but I was um putting my boundaries aside to help you right well then this is where I feel like it's very helpful for people because like I said before, you're not always the victim in everything, right? So where I was getting mad of this person saying they didn't have the energy to deal with this friendship, that was very hurtful to say, but I was mad because I, wa- I was not enforcing my boundaries. So I should have been enforcing my boundaries when I said I, did, I don't feel like doing something, I don't feel like doing X, Y, Z, and I did it anyway. I should have said no, because all this person was doing was enforcing their boundaries. And now I'm mad at them for enforcing their boundaries, that I should have enforced myself, right? So that's the first thing, right? The second thing is looking at whenever, oh, I did this for them and da-da-da-da-da. Well, look, if you're doing stuff for people and you're expecting something in return, your motives aren't right, right? You think they are, but you should never do something for someone and expect them to do something in return. They should just automatically reciprocate that, right? And if they're not reciprocating that, that's when your boundaries come in and you say, look, this was a, this really is not a friendship that I think I could I could sustain because it's not, we're not reciprocating the same things to each other. Right. And then I really realized I was, I kept running into the same type of situations through different people. Right. You know, you hear that with dating, you sit up here and you hear like you deal with the same man through different men or the same type of men through different men, because you sit up here and this guy, you pray and say, okay, well, I want a guy that has a job and he has a car and you get that, but he may not have a relationship with God. He may not manage his money. Right. He doesn't have a good relationship with his family. Right. All these things you're, you're not being specific about. So I kept having these friend breakups with people over the same things, same type of situations. Lacey was doing too much. Lacey was sitting up here not requiring people to reciprocate or seeing that they're not reciprocating and still doing for people, right? Needing to feel validated by people and from the wrong people at that. Everybody that is put in your life and you are friends with is not meant to be in your life forever. And the longer that you hold on to things that are not for you, the more you're going to have these friendship breakups, the more you're going to have a lot of drama, the a lot of adversity, a lot of mess, because you're not letting go of what needs to let go. And that's really what I hope that people learn from this episode and this story with Storytime with Lacey. You are not the victim all the time. There is some responsibility you have to put on yourself 
to say, I'm not going to put up with that anymore. I'm not going to sit up here and go and do all of that. Right. Um, I'm, I'm just not right. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sit up here and keep going back and forth with people that I don't need to go back and forth with. They're not, they're not for me, right? They're not. So with that being said, um, I really, really hope that in this year for me, and I'm, and I'm speaking this to other people, the times that you're having these, these relationship bouts with people, friendships and things like that, you let people go and you let people be where they're at. It doesn't require argument. It doesn't require you cussing them out. It doesn't require you fighting them, all that stuff, because that's energy that you don't have. You need to be working on yourself. So I'm really hoping for 2024 that I have let go or the people I've let go of people that didn't mean well by me and people have let go of me that I don't mean well with, right? Because again, I'm human. I'm not perfect, right? So I'm hoping that that this story of just having the same situations, almost like Groundhog Day happening, resonates with someone that now you can really realize, okay, look, I don't need to deal with this person anymore. Whether it be a friendship, a relationship, um, a work situation, right? If it's not for you, then you need to let it go, right? It, it's it's causing more issue than than it is bringing you joy. And I really, that's what I want to leave you with. With everything with self-sabotaging, everything with relationship breakups, I'm really hoping in 2024 that we're letting go of things that don't mean us well, right? We're looking for joy. We're looking for happiness. We're looking for positivity. We're looking for good energy coming into 2024. And that's what we're going to exude out, right? To other people, because when you give that good energy out, it comes back to you tenfold, right? So I'm going to leave y'all with that. We're going to be the joy and the peace and the happiness that we want to um, see in others, we're going to be that for other people as well. But we're also not going to sit up here and take being around people that mean us no well, right? I'm gonna leave y'all with that. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Dotted Line.